Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 5 of Serial Access. Today's case that I have for you guys is a very interesting case, so I wanted to go ahead and jump right on into the case today and see your guys' thoughts and opinions on it. Today's case is about Eileen Warnos. Eileen was born on February 29th of 1956. Eileen's father was a convicted sex offender who had never been in the picture ever since she was born. He ended up hanging himself in his prison cell when Eileen was just 13 years old. Her mother was an immigrant who had already abandoned her at this point, and Eileen was left in the care of her paternal grandparents. Less than a year after her father committed suicide, Eileen's grandmother died of liver failure, and in the meantime, her grandfather had been, according to her later accounts, been beating on her and raping her for several years. When she was 15 years old, she dropped out of school to have a baby that was conceived by her grandfather's friend. However, after having the child, she and her grandfather father got into a huge domestic issue and she was left to live in the woods outside of Troy, Michigan. She then gave up her son for adoption and got by with petty theft and by being a prostitute. At the age of 20, she tried to escape the life that she was living by hitchhiking to Florida and marrying a man by the name of Louis Fell. Louis Fell was a 69-year-old who was a successful businessman who had settled into a semi-retired lifestyle. Eileen immediately moved in with him and started getting into trouble with the local police. She would leave the home that she shared with Lewis to go to local bars where she often got into fights. She also would abuse Lewis, who later claimed that she would beat him with his own cane. Eventually, her husband got a restraining order against her, making her return to Michigan to file for an annulment only after being married for nine weeks. But around the same time, her brother, who she did not have a steady relationship with, suddenly died of esophageal cancer. Eileen collected his $10,000 life insurance policy and used some of the money to cover a fine for her DUI and to buy a luxury car that she later crashed while driving under the influence. When the money ran out, she returned to Florida and started getting arrested for theft yet again. She briefly did time for an armed robbery in which she stole $35 and some cigarettes. After that, she started working as a prostitute again and was arrested in 1986 when one of her customers told police that she had pulled a gun on him in his car and demanded more money. In 1987, she moved in with a hotel maid by the name of Tyra Moore, a woman who she would later become a lover with and become a partner in crime with. Eileen told conflicting stories about her murders. She claimed to have been a victim of rape or attempted rape with every single one of the men she killed. She also admitted she was trying to rob them, but this was depending on who she was talking to. Her first victim was Richard Mallory, who was a convicted rapist. Richard was 51 years old and had finished his prison term years earlier. When he met Eileen in November of 1989, he was running an electronics store in Clearwater. Eileen shot him several times and dumped his body in the woods before dumping the car. In May of 1990, Eileen killed 
22-year-old David Spears by shooting him six times and stripping his corpse naked. Five days after Spears' body was discovered, police found the remains of a 40-year-old by the name of Charles Karskadon, who had been shot nine times and tossed on the side of the road. On June 30th of 1990, a 65-year-old man by the name of Peter Symes disappeared on his drive from Florida. Witnesses later claimed to have seen two women matching Eileen and Tyra's description who were driving the man's car. Eileen's fingerprints were later recovered from the vehicle and also several of his personal effects that were turned up at a local pawn shop. Eileen and Tyra went on to kill three more men before Eileen was picked up on a warrant after yet another fight. Tyra had left her by this time, returning to Pennsylvania, where police apprehended her the day after Eileen was booked. It did not take Tyra long to flip on Eileen. In the days immediately following her arrest, Tyra had went back to Florida to stay at a motel that the police were paying for. While being there, she made calls to Eileen in an attempt to elicit a confession that would be used again in court. In the calls, Tyra acted up a storm. She pretended to be frightened that the police would pin everything on the murders on her. She would then beg Eileen to go over the story with her again step by step in order to get their stories straight. After four days of repeated calls to Eileen, she confessed to several of the murders but in insisted over the phone that the killings Tyra did not know about, those were attempted rapes. The police now had what they needed to arrest Eileen for murder. Eileen spent all of 1991 in jail, waiting for her trial to start. During that time, Tyra was fully cooperative with the prosecutors in exchange for full immunity. Tyra and Eileen often talked on the phone, and Eileen knew that in general terms that her lover had turned into a witness for the state, but she welcomed it with open arms. As rough as life had been for her outside of prison, she seemed to be having a harder time inside of prison. As she sat in confinement, Eileen gradually came to believe that her food was being spit in or otherwise it was being contaminated with body fluids. She would repeatedly go on hunger strikes as she refused to eat the meals even though there were several witnesses who stated that they saw the food being prepared she would not eat it. Her statements to the court and to her own legal counsel started to become increasingly unhinged with mean references to jail staff and other inmates that she believed were plotting against her. She did petition the court to fire her lawyer and let her represent herself. And the court actually agreed to it, which left her very unprepared for all of the paperwork that came along with seven murder trials. She went on trial for the murder of Richard on January 16th of 1992 and was convicted two weeks later with a death sentence. And around a month after she pleaded no contest, to three more murders for which the sentences were also death. In June of 1992, Eileen pled guilty to another murder charge and that was for the murder of Charles and she was also given another death sentence. So if you are all counting with me, that is five death sentences that she has already received. During her trial, Eileen had been diagnosed as a psychopath and with borderline personality disorder. This was not ruled strictly relevant to her crimes, but it did present a bedrock instability that let Eileen go around the bend from her prison cell instead of being confined directly in her cell. In 2001, she directly petitioned the court to ask for her sentence to be hurried along. 
claiming abusive and inhumane living conditions. Eileen also claimed her body was being attacked by a sonic weapon of some kind. Her court-appointed lawyer tried to argue she was irrational, but Eileen would not go along with the defense. Not only did she confess again to the murders, but she also sent in a letter to the courts for the record. On June 6th of 2002, Eileen did get her last wish. She was put to death at 9.47 p.m., but during her last interview, she was quoted saying, I'd just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie Big Mothership and all, I'll be back. Let me know your guys' thoughts and opinions on this case, and if you think her disorders should have been used in her case. Feel free to go to SerialAccess.com and suggest a serial killer that you would like to hear about. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SerialAccess for sneak peeks on upcoming cases, and share them with a friend or family member that might like the case that we are going to be going over. But until next time, keep your eyes open and look for the monster inside of everyone.